coming up on today's halftime broadcast. But you don't have to be right all the time. And humbleness is a great part too in admitting certain things, especially when you're wrong. In communication, depending on, I think, again, your maturity level, uh, some people do a tick for attack. Spiritually, I can't handle this situation because, for one, I haven't been taught how to handle it, and I don't know how to handle it, so therefore, I pretty much run away of the pain of what I don't understand. So we sort of turn harmony together, and uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, sometimes we get misunderstood along the way, but nevertheless, I have a lot to thank the Lord for. Yes, men do like sex, and they like it often. You'd be surprised, women do too. <laughs> <laughs> and now, today's Bible teaching with executive strategist Tony Emmahale. Top of the day to you, and thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of Halftime. As always, I am so delighted that you've taken time out of your day to hear what thus saith the Lord. You know, these enlightening Bible teachings have been just phenomenal over the past couple of weeks, and not because I'm involved in them, but because we have pulled from God's choice members within our communities, people who are living real life, living out the word of God in their life, who through trial, error, through testing, through faith, have been able to garner something in marriage and in their relationships that only God could inspire and provoke them to do. So if you haven't already, go ahead and get your note-taking devices ready because today we're going both deeper and wider in the knowledge of God's Word. So the past three weeks we've hit on this topical series entitled, When the Vow Breaks. It's a marriage and relationship series. It's not just for married people. It's for singles as well and those who may be contemplating marriage. So we intend to give you just some practical tips so that you can take from it what God will give to you to move from a state of being reactive in your relationships to being responsive. We started out using the example of Joseph. And we use Joseph's life to establish what the prerequisites are for marriage as it relates to man. If you haven't heard installment one, it's on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud. It's also on the Braveheart United channel at TonyInTheHell.com. So go back and listen to both installment one and installment two which played last week with Lady Beverly Carter. She and I had a very candid discussion about seven things that a wife needs from her husband. Lady Carter introduced the principle of being adaptable and teachable in marriage. So in, in essence, when both the husband and the wife are adaptable and teachable in their marriage, it is that which allows them the ability to be compatible, okay? So whenever the devil throws the kitchen sink at you, 
because you're both adaptable and teachable, you now become compatible and can combat anything that comes up against you, the schisms, the trickery, the devices, uh, deceptiveness, anything that comes in to try and tear up and rip up that marriage. If you just remember those two concepts, being adaptable and teachable, you're able to withstand anything that comes up against your union. Now, the problem is in today's 21st century marriage, when trouble arises, and if you are married, it has been put together by God, trouble will arise. Each one expects the other to bend and adapt. And that's where the problem becomes a huge problem because before you know it, no one is adapting. Hearts become inflexible. The concept of teachability and learning new ways of doing things, uh, it just goes right out the window. And so like the ends of a stick, with pressure coming from both ends of being inflexible and and the inflexibility is beset right in the middle of the two of you, the snapping of the stick, i.e. your marriage files, becomes inevitable. So turn with me now to the book of Proverbs. We're going to Proverbs 14, and we're going to begin reading at verse 1, and it says, The wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Did you hear that, ladies? The wise woman builds, but a foolish woman tears down. Okay? We're talking about when the vow breaks today. And this one is especially for the ladies. Last week, we also talked about when men don't get honor and respect from their wives, not the kids, not from the mother-in-law, not from the farmer down the street, but from you, his wife. When a husband does not get honor from his wife and respect that he needs a marriage, the vows will be broken. Why? Because you chose to tear down your marriage rather than to build it. And if you find a woman that refuses to give her husband the honor and respect that he deserves, it makes it easier for Miss Millie to step in and do what a Miss Millie will do. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what does dishonor and disrespect look like in the marriage. And to help me further that conversation, because I can't give it to you like a man can in terms of understanding how that dishonor feels, how that dishonor looks, how that dishonor is perceived. So I have with me the mighty men of the National Church out of Baltimore, Maryland, with Apostle Prentice Vincent, Jr., and they're going to help us put a face on what dishonor and disrespect looks like in a marriage by sharing with us what a husband needs from his wife. And I'm not going to put a cap on that because it needs to be as broad as it can. And I'm sure that everything that we're talking about today is not going to be all-inclusive, but it will be enough 
for women, yes, you, why, why to be those desiring to be married, to take an introspective look at yourself to see what it is you need to change in order to be adaptable and teachable so that you can be compatible with your mate. Apostle Vincent, welcome. Yes, how you doing? This is Apostle Vincent. I'm here with uh, three of the uh, brothers at the church. Uh, we have uh, Deacon Mark, we have uh, Pastor James Bull, and we have uh, Brother Zach. We're going to open it up and talk about some of the things that a uh, man or a husband needs from his wife. Myself, one of the things that's very important to me, and I guess to, I believe, all men, is respect. You know, uh, men want to be respected and honored. The Proverbs 31 woman paints a, a great picture uh, for what a woman should be like. Uh, and for me, that's very important. One of the other things for me that's really important is a woman to be attentive to the needs of a husband, really knowing a husband. Um, I think sometimes you can have a wife that is attentive, but she's not necessarily attentive to her husband. And so uh, I think it's important for a wife to be uh, attentive to the needs of a husband and what he needs as being her husband. I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to let someone else jump in. I'm Pastor Bull. I'm a, a man of two marriages. My first wife had three years ago. My second wife right now. We seem to get along pretty well because uh, I make my business life should respect her, and in return, I, I guess that respect too. We sort of go in harmony together, and uh, that's what it's all about. And I think I really get misunderstood along the way, but nevertheless, you know, to uh, uh, sort of wait real while things to cool down, and I have a lot to thank the Lord for. And I love the Lord, so He speaks to me as well because I put myself in, in a way that I'm here in the household, and my job is to see things go as well. So far, we've been enjoying my life as a success, but thanks be God, I was young, but now I'm old, but I've not seen the righteous for second or seeds begging bread. So, unless I was excited to hear your teaching concerned of. Uh, but we're just to take the, the man and the wife get together and how they can make it. It's got the whole lot of disturbance, but walk together in harmony and in love. So I think about what I've heard from you already, and uh, we'll be here to hear some more as much as possible. And I thank God for your teaching. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So from w what I understood is that um, it's mutual honor and respect. Yes, yes. And I can agree to that because if both parties are reactive in marriage and one feels disrespected and their response is disrespect or one feels dishonored and the response from the other is, well, I'm going to dishonor you, that's the recipe for disaster in marriage. And, and God meant for marriage to be something honorable, uh, you know, a happy place. And there are times when we do find that we are married to the wrong people. You know, that marriage was not put together by God. And, and those marriages do end one way or the other. Sometimes it's through divorce and other times it could be through death. Because one of the things that I know for sure and I am a living testament of is the fact that when things are not going along according to God's plan, God will make that situation 
in such a way that it becomes and gets into alignment with what his plan is for your life. So thank you so much for sharing that, and thank you so much for being a part of this powerful teaching that I know is going to strengthen many families and lives in the days to come. Anybody else want to share a concept, or can I throw a question out there? I have a comment. This is Zachary. One of the things that I, I'm hearing and listening to, and this is a good topic to talk about, as a matter of fact, I think in a marriage of any relationship, uh, awareness is really important to me. Um, and the reason why I say that, awareness um, brings sort of an understanding to the whole development of relationship between men and women. Um, I like this especially in my wife because awareness helps us stay balanced, especially when you being aware of the, the simple things, the things that we don't think we need to be aware of, that, that's lingering in the dark but behind the shadows. Because once you become aware of those things that's lingering, what's ahead of you will be able to see very well and be able to know what you're facing. Um, that's the main factor to me. And being aware of the place and where we come from and what we're designed to do as, as human beings. And as husband and wife, and in the same respect of understanding and being aware of the generational things that's been passed down when it comes down to dealing with marriage from what we saw as kids growing up in other people's lives and in our own siblings and our parents' lives, being aware of what we understand and develop of understanding of what a marriage is. And most of all, the awareness of the relationship with God. And that's a, another big topic dealing with this situation which you're talking about marriage. Um, Amen. That's, that's real important to me. Um, I think as long as me and my wife stay aware of who we are and where we come from and what our purpose is, then we can continue until death do we part. Amen. Amen. And that's good. One of the things that you mentioned in there was being aware of literally what shaped and molded your thoughts and concepts of marriage from childhood and from growing up. All too often when we become adults and we take things into our marriage, expectations in our marriage, we're not aware of why we have the expectation, and it could be an unhealthy or unrealistic expectation that was passed on from something that we saw when we were growing up. Has anyone experienced that in their marriage? Well, I would say in my marriage that I I kept in front of me and my wife that when we got together and decided to be married as one, is not to take other people's situations of problem with us. And even though some of it may still be the same, um, it's almost like we have a basic argument or something like that. Um, the same way my mother and father argued, and the outcome of that does not mean it has to speak for my marriage. So that's what I mean by having that, that point of that awareness for one of us being together as a team and as partners, you know. Amen. So let me ask you this. What happens to a man in marriage 
that causes him to take his ring off. And it may not be something that you yourself have experienced, but if you can speak to what happens in the heart of a husband that would push him to the point of making a conscious decision that I am no longer going to wear my wedding ring. Is that the first sign of distancing from the marriage or leaving the marriage, or is that an advanced sign of leaving the marriage? Well, I'm going to say this. Uh, first of all, the ring part of it is more of a symbolic thing than state of God's thing. The ring doesn't necessarily actually come from God. The ring has to necessarily come from the law of man. And he must understand this point of what the value of the ring means. It's just like in the old days when you was a king, your stamp and your sigma was to take your ring and put it in a thing of wax, and they would know that would be your segment of where you come from, your royalty, okay? Now, if the man, in regards of what creed or color, where he comes from, he has to understand and know how to separate the symbolic part of the marriage of the man and his spirituality as a marriage of a man. And a lot of times, us as, as men, we get violated and feel disrespected because we don't understand the spirituality of it, and we take the symbolic, if my wife disrespects me in this order, in this way, then that gives me reason and line for divorce because spiritually, I can't handle this situation because, for one, I haven't been taught how to handle it. And I don't know how to handle it, so therefore, I pretty much run away of the pain of what I don't understand. So as, as men, as I deal with my sons now, I teach them about spirituality, first of all. Get your connection with God, because God is the foundation of it all. God is the foundation of the man. And man must understand his place when we're talking about being married. From what I know, you get married and they say, you take this ring and these vows to go with this. He has to understand what that means to him and the place of what he's doing. This is the symbolic of the ring. What does not necessarily mean when he takes that marriage and okay, now they go home and live as a as a team, as husband and wife. Now, what is she going to do in a relationship that makes me not want to be her husband anymore? That gives me ground or divorce because he want to be a little kid or do he want to be a man? That's something that he has to look over and evaluate before he say, I do. That's my opinion for us. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Well, one, one of the things I, I want to add as far as, uh, you know, the question was asked, uh, you know, what will make a man take off his ring and not want to be married? And um, I believe a lot of times uh, is is truly uh respect uh, the man so like uh, he's not being honored or he's not uh, being respected in the matter where he think he should be uh, respected or um, you talked about uh, unmet uh, expectations and you know and I, I guess it really depends on what level of life you're in as far as your development you know whether you're a young man or middle-aged man or older man I can remember myself as a younger man I got married uh, when I was 19, and um, during that time, I was very strong-willed, and if I couldn't have things my way, uh, we had a problem. And so, um, and as I be 
became an older man, I became a more mature man. But at that time, it was, I was used to having my way. So I think a lot of time if, if a man feels disrespected or not getting the things he need as a man, as far as house not being cleaned, and if you don't feel like your companion is keeping up the end of the bargain of what we, you know, you talk about the roles that a husband and a wife play and how responsibilities are shared and developed. And so sometimes, you know, you might have a man that's doing what he feels is his part as a provider, but then his wife may not be doing her part as a provider uh, as far as the, the wifely chores or whatever. And once again, sometimes these are, as what you were saying earlier, unmet expectations, you know, uh, yeah. you know, when you don't have that understanding. So um, talking about marriage as a whole, you know, I think it's a, a definitely uh, what level are you on in, in your maturity. And maturity, I believe, play a great part uh, in a relationship uh, working out because some folks in relationships don't have patience and they, uh, they could be moody, very mood swinging and, and things of that nature. So in relationships, um, if you're dealing with someone that's not even keeled, or can be uh, very transitional or moody, all those things become uh, harder to live with and harder to deal with. When you say can be kind of moody, temperamental, and those things, are we talking about like a a contentious woman? A contentious woman? Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say uh, yes in in a way, yes. So it kind of boils down to attitude yeah. in the home? Because the scripture that I read before talked about, you know, the wise woman building up her house, but a, a woman who is unstable, moody, and, and does not respect the fact that when a husband comes home, that home should be his sanctuary, and he shouldn't have to deal with the moodiness, not knowing what mood you're going to be in from one one to the next. And then also, I guess that also deals with adaptability and something that was mentioned earlier about knowing and being attentive to the needs of the husband. And so the common theme is that I'm hearing from you all, yet it's honor and respect, but it also sounds like adaptability, and when that element of adaptability, i.e. a wife adapting to the needs of her husband, that it can cause him to want to abandon the marriage uh, based on his level of maturity and his relationship with God versus stay there and work it out and talk these things out. One of the things that I find important in marriage is communication. How do you all view communication? Because you always hear that, you know, men don't like to talk. Women like to talk too much. You know, what is the balance there? Well, I think that sometimes go both ways. I think sometimes in stereotypes, uh, that's what most people say, that the woman, you know, mainly do all the talking and and the man is more acquired or subdued. But it, it goes both ways in a relationship. Uh, sometimes you have a man that's willing to share and willing to talk, and then you have a woman that will shut down because 
she's not ready to deal with that conversation or ready to digest that conversation where she can give you feedback. So the communication doesn't go anywhere. It becomes stagnant uh, because at the time that you're trying to communicate, the other person don't want to open up, don't want to share. Um, it's something that's causing them uh, to withhold uh, how they're feeling or, or don't want to address it at that time. So communication is major important. And, you know, I think you have to find uh, workable solutions to have a good understanding uh, between each other to get the communication that you need because, you know, I think in communication, depending on, I think, again, your maturity level, uh, some people do a tick for attack, you know, or, or if you're trying to show them something or tell them something, instead of them receiving it for what it is, they turn it around and is they take it more um, as an attack versus uh, as something coming from, I guess, a friend. Because I think when you talk to a friend sometimes or a friend tells you something as a friend to another friend or a girlfriend to a girlfriend or, or a male friend to another male friend, uh, uh, not as offensive. It doesn't come across as offensive. But I think sometimes between marital couples, sometimes it becomes offensive or one has to put up their guard. Okay, so let me let me see if I can recap because uh, as I'm listening to you all speak, I'm pulling out different concepts. So we began to build this list of things that a husband needs from his wife. And we started out with a wife actually knowing you, being attentive enough to know you. The Bible says dwell with them according to knowledge. And if you don't know your husband, then how can he dwell with him according to knowledge? You're always going to miss the mark. Um, one of the other things in that same vein, and that's for anyone who's taking notes, is to be attentive to your husband's needs. See, these are the things that actually demonstrate both honor and respect because if you respect him, you will learn what he needs and you will fulfill the need to your ability. Number three would be awareness because awareness helps bring balance in the marriage. You're able to address any lingering issues, anything that's hanging out there, any any arts or anything that's um, upsetting you. Um, being mindful, number four, being mindful of uh, concepts and things that other people do that's just not for you, um, not bringing other people's concepts and baggage into your marriage and trying to apply it. Number five, unmet expectations, learning how to deal with that. And when you are attentive to your spouse, then you know what he has an unmet expectation, and to the best of your ability, you should be able to or at least have the desire to meet that expectation or see what would be acceptable, okay? Wives, I hope you hear me on this. Number six, communication, okay? Communication is key, and shut down, shutting down, shutting out, having a funk, getting a funky attitude about what's being talked about, that's unacceptable. Number seven, 
again, adaptability, being able to adapt to the needs. Number eight, active listening, okay? Not listening to respond, but listening to hear. And number nine, not being so easily offended, not listening to take offense, not expecting the worst, but expecting the best, giving the benefit of the doubt. Have I covered it pretty pretty good, or is there something else I need to add to the list right now? You are a master strategist. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. All right. That's that. That's good stuff. So here, here's the next thing. Out of this list, because if you read enough of these books that people put out there, at the top of the list, they always say that husbands need sex. I haven't heard that not once, and we're on number nine on this list. So what I have is a question about sex. What see, drives... That's the <laughs> big thing. We saved that one for the That's the big thing. <laughs> it ain't no fight about sex. You heard what God say, husband, love your wife. <laughs> ain't that okay. what it it is what it says. That is what it says. Husband, love your wife. Love them good. <laughs> Amen. In all respect. Amen. Amen. What happens when a man no longer wants to engage in marital relations, sexual intimacy with his wife? Something wrong with him. Something wrong with him. Did you say, from the start, you should love it to the end. Something wrong. He needs psychological help. And God help. Put some oil on him. You're out in the world. Put some oil on him. Get all the people and everybody get around him and pray. Well, you got the age. I mean, I'm 88 years old now. So it doesn't get in the way of me that much. But thank you, God. Uh, when I was young, I mean, it was nice to have. And it's still good. Now, to go back to the ring room, I, uh, when I first got saved and uh, God called me to the ministry, and I wanted something from the Lord that uh, my sister gave me, uh, which made me aware that uh, uh, I was in church sick and trying to conduct a grocery service, and uh, I got just sick. And, uh, but she left the uh, congregation and came up with me in the foyer, and uh, where it was, was heavy bound, I was loose from it. And from that day, I said, Lord, I want something to help somebody else. There are times I, when I'm preaching, I have a ring on. But when I come down to time to pray, I, I put it off in somewhere, but it looks like I find it later on. But, uh, I mean, that's good to have because I, well, I'm sure my wife was going to be married to me when I buy a ring. So it works first wife as well. So it's good to have. But there, this time coming in my life, I said, I want to help somebody because I was helping when I was down, look like I was just, I was just sick and couldn't get well, but an instant I was well. So, And I asked, Lord, I want what my sister had. And he gave it to me to help other people. And that's what I did today. I mean, the rain sometimes, uh, well, once in a while, most times, she reminds me, why you rain? She knew what I did. She didn't draw. But happy ever, I'm concerned about helping other people. And, and like the sick and me. Need prayer. That's what I'm here there for, and and I get joy out of it because uh, that's what I'm asking for. 
And uh, that's what I do today when I see a need for prayer. And I, I stop what I'm doing in the other preaching and uh, pray for someone. Amen. And there are some folks that fall on the floor and, uh, and I don't knock them down and so I don't worry about picking them up. And if somebody else tries to pick them up, I'll, I'll block them for a reason. Uh, they're down there because the Lord put something in them that they need to have. So, and, uh, Amen. They're today. And even now, I, I don't mind going anywhere to pray for people. And I hear people sometimes tell me, I've been watching you. We mean you're watching me. I've been watching you. <laughs> the man, man wants me to pray for him. And I said, oh, and I, I go, he, uh, he'll give me a call. And I go to the house. He's, uh, he's in the floor moment of going. And I get on my knees with my Lord, and uh, I pray for him. And he get up there to rejoice, and I said, praise the Lord. And I go home and spend some time sitting out eating. I'll stop eating, go and do what I got to do. Then I come back. I'm rejoicing. I leave him. He's rejoicing, too, so. That's a part of my ministry, and I thank God for that. And I don't accept money, you know. I don't go no gospel because uh, God didn't, he showed me nothing. He just let me have Glory to God. And I just... Glory to God. My wife has a beautiful ring. I mean, she keeps, I mean, she shines off. She goes, you that's all, and get redone over again. I thank God for that because uh, that's what she loved to have. And I left that, I bought it for the way. And at that time, I had to get rid of the ring, and... And uh, you said to my sister, you don't listen. And maybe she right about this, and I don't listen. I hear but I don't listen. Overall, we get along pretty good together. That's, what you That's awesome. Amen. To, to God be oh. the glory. You know, there there are acceptable times where you don't wear your ring. I know mm-hmm. that um, when my husband and I are on vacation, we don't wear our rings when we're going swimming. We don't wear our rings when we know we're going out on excursions. We lock them up in the safe. And sometimes we, you know, just depending on the area we're in, if it's known to be um, an area where we could be targeted, we won't wear our rings and we won't wear our jewelry. Um, But I'm talking about those times when a, a man or a woman consciously makes the decision not to wear their rings because of a condition of a hardened heart or a broken heart or a heart that is on the brink of break. And those are hard times, and I think that they speak, they communicate something. It communicates something when you get up in the morning and you consciously make a decision, I'm not going to wear my ring today because I don't want to feel tied to my spouse. And, and that's one of the sounds of a vow getting ready to break that many women, if they're not attentive to their husband, will miss is the fact that he's not wearing his ring. So they take it as an offense as opposed to, a mark of communication that tells you that he is experiencing a condition of the heart that is going to impact your marriage. And you know another thing I thought about sitting here, um, something that me and my wife try to stay mindful of, that you don't have to be right all the time, and humbleness is a great part too in admitting certain things, especially when you're wrong. Especially in that in that case, because you allow Amen. the other yeah. person, you allow the other person have a bag. Say, well, 
if you and that would help us to accept things and help us make things. Everything does not have to be a big deal. We make small things out of big giants. So dealing with that part of our relationship, we always try to stay mindful of is it worth opening up a door of confusion where there ain't going to be no understanding. So if you don't have to open up this particular door and make no big deal out of this particular situation, don't do it. Man, Denise had a situation back here last month. And we're dealing in the area of trust. And not just trusting uh, maturity-wise, trusting each other with our hearts and our feelings and our thoughts. Um, what we like, what we don't like, who's right, who's wrong. We had an issue with that where Denise lost a piece of paper that was very valuable to both of us, and she didn't tell me. And I, the Lord woke me with the reason why she didn't tell you, Zach, because she didn't trust you enough to tell you because of my old ways. I didn't make change in my, she didn't feel as though I made change. But I had to let her know I didn't make some changes in life by my response and my reaction to the situation and the outcome of it. So she accepted that, and I accepted it, and that helped us to be better people in our marriage because the way I acted back then, I didn't act on this situation where I would have acted back then. I acted with this situation with some with some intelligence, with some with some respect, with some concern of how she felt and more than how I felt about the piece of paper, not being selfish about how she feels about losing something that was very valuable to both of us. So I thought about how do she feel instead of one about how did I feel about the situation. And that made her more comfortable and with being open about any situation in our marriage now. And I thank God for giving me, making me aware of that and paying attention of more about, not about the situation, but about what was not being said and what was going on. That Satan tried to plan for our demise in our marriage, because that was a big step about this piece of paper, was a big issue. And it was really that was that important to us. With though, if I had went with a lot of anger and misunderstanding and something thing and blame faulting, it would have put a big wedge in our relationship. And I'd have probably been somewhere else, and she would have been somewhere else, most definitely, if I did not handle that situation in an unselfishly way. Because I looked at the pain and the hurt that she was going through instead of looking at what it did to me and her together. So I looked at, say, well, how can we both handle this situation and make it better? So what we did, we went to God for. So I would say not being selfish is a good part of a relationship for man and nation. That was a plus for us, and I thank God for that. Amen. That was a great example because we hear about this selfless giving, and it's typically tied to, service in ministry or service to the world or service to others, but giving ourselves unselfishly to our spouses, even in the decision-making process on the things that we choose to share with them, that is key. And one of the words that I would throw in here would be vulnerability, because it sounds like when we're talking trust, we're talking about 
a wife's ability to be completely vulnerable to her husband. See, a vulnerable wife, all right, who is open to the headship of her husband can go to him with anything, knowing that he's going to respond appropriately. And I thank God for having that type of relationship with my husband. Now, granted, I'm going to take some time to get there and make sure that my thoughts and explanations are right and accurate and that I can go to him and give him the full story. But I'm vulnerable enough to him to expect and receive that he will deal with me appropriately. So it sounds like that through some past experience with the wife, that trust was breached and that she's been stuck in that moment. And so when wives allow themselves to be stuck in the moment of something that happened 10 years ago, here we have a new situation 10 years later, and you're stuck in the, in the infancy of our marriage from 10 years ago. And that's where that attentiveness and awareness comes in at, being mindful of where we are now in our marriage. I am not the man that I used to be. You are not the woman that you used to be, so how dare you hold me to that lowered standard when I was walking in immaturity? And, and that's kind of where I smack women on the hands because what your husband liked 10 years ago or what rubbed him the wrong way 10 years ago may not be the same thing this year. I'm always doing a temperature check with my husband. Yeah. Do you still like the red pump? Do you still like gravy on your bread? Do you still like your toast slightly brown? Do you still yeah. like your bacon limp or, or would you like it crispy? And, and women, if you're not doing that, then you're missing out on the best of your marriage. God desires for marriage to be our experience of heaven on earth. And if we're not experiencing that, it's because, and I'm talking to the ladies, it's because we have fallen short in some of the things that these gentlemen have mentioned here tonight. Amen. Amen. And on the, uh, the sex issue, uh, yes, men do like sex, and they like it often. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Women do too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we 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 need sex, love, and affection. We do, and we like it often. So my question earlier was was more to the point of when a man gets to a point where he no longer desires to have sex with his wife, does it mean that he's having sex with somebody else? Or does it mean that she's just done something in the marriage, turned him off with her attitude, her behavior, being distrusting, being selfish? I mean, what does that look like? And you all may not have experienced it in your marriage, but when a man gets to the point where he no longer desires to be intimate with his wife. What well, pushes him there? Well, I think it could be a couple issues, you know, uh, at men and depending on where you're at, at as a man in your life and you're going through different changes of life and life does change. So, I mean, from, you know, from a younger man to becoming an older man, um, you know, uh, your desires change where, not as frequently, uh, but as far as 
a man being turned off uh, by the woman. Um, it could be at, attitude will, will turn a man off. If a woman has or a wife has a wrong attitude towards her husband, uh, the things that you've spoken of early when you said take the temperature check, uh, you know, it is important for women to do that, or especially wives to do that, because some folks will take their spouses for granted, and and they don't feel like they need to do anything extra. They don't feel like they need to put on the pumps, or they don't need to take the temperatures uh, to keep them husbands happy because they already got the papers. And so some of them are not putting in that extra work to satisfy them. And that's the issue with men or with uh, with marriages. Uh, if either side is not willing to, to go the extra mile and to put in the work to make each other happy. And so uh, if you have a person not willing to uh, show that, that becomes a, a turnoff. That, and that's my, that's my point. Uh, sometimes it can get to the point, though, where still she may may not know how to because some men sometimes, like sometimes can be so dominant, where though she may be afraid to come at you because she doesn't, not that she doesn't want to, she may not know how to. Um, sometimes my wife can be, at one point time, she was to the degree where she's, my wife is a beautiful looking woman. She has, she's wonderful. She looks very good. Sometimes she makes it, at one time she made it feel those like, make me feel like, why do I always have to come at you? Why can't you come at me sometimes? It's not that she didn't want to. She didn't know how to. And I had to learn that about her because that's just her way and how she was raised up and how she was brought up and that's just in her. Where though she has to be in a certain place and a certain time for that to wake her, for her to be, respond to her natural nature for wanting a man and all that kind of stuff there. I found out for Denise, she, she really doesn't know how to sometimes. If we're sitting in the moonlight, she won't really know how to come at me and say, I want to have sex. She's not the type of female where she would just be aggressive in that way. So I have to learn her, her love language. And I used to get angry about that sometimes because I'm thinking, well, I'm attracted enough. I'm the main domain. I've been making moves on you. You make some moves. And I found out in some way she does it but not in a way that I like it. Now she does it very well, so I don't even have to worry about that. But I'm talking about what built us up to where we are now, that I should get upset about it. And sometimes that would make me feel as though she didn't love me or care about me or I wasn't attracted to her the whole time she was. I had to learn that she just didn't know how to come at it, and that would make me feel as though, like, I need to be with somebody else. If you can't satisfy me, then I'll find somebody else that will. It wasn't that she didn't want to. I wasn't being aware of paying attention to her love language and how she brings it towards me. So now I'm very patient with it. That's you get good that? stuff. Yeah, I did. I did. So, so let me tell you. Let me see. I think I stopped. I stopped earlier at what was it? Point number eight. Active listening. No benefit of the doubt and all of that. Okay. Let's start at point number 10, and I got 10 more to, just from us talking, okay? okay? Okay. So point number 10, we have being humble, okay? Um, you don't have to always be right. So 
when in times of conflict and discussion, it's okay to be humble, ladies. It's okay to be humble. You don't always have to have the last word, okay? And when you don't display uh, an element of humility in the situation, it's disrespectful to your husband, okay? Number 11, choose your battles wisely. Everything don't have to be discussed, okay? And sometimes, matter of fact, not sometimes, but when you feel the need as women to have to discuss every little thing that you upset about, we call that nagging, okay? That's what that is. So choose your battles wisely because a foolish woman nags. A wise woman will choose her battle and only bring those things before her husband that are necessary okay, to bring the family in alignment and to bring peace into the home. With number 12, we talked about trust, okay? We talked about trust. 13, we talked about maturity over time, okay? Again, this kind of goes back to the awareness thing, being aware of where your husband and where your relationship is now, maturity in discerning the seasons of your marriage, okay? Number 14, unselfish behaviors. Okay, that will turn a man off quickly when you are being selfish. Okay, you can be selfish and then expect him to go to bed and engage in intimate conversations and activities, but because of the selfishness that you display before dinner, it just messes up the whole mood of the night. Okay, 15, attitude. Attitude is big. goes right there hand-in-hand hand with being unselfish. Number 16, not taking your spouse for granted. Yep, you got the papers. Yep, you got the ring. Yep, you got the house. Yep, you got the car, but you no longer want to prime the pump, okay? We got a problem, ladies, okay? Don't take him for granted. Number 17, happiness as a goal, joy as a goal, okay? Peace in the home life as a goal. That's number 17. Number 18, be skillful in fulfilling the needs of your husband, okay? A man needs you to be skillful and knowledgeable about fulfilling his needs. Number 19, learn his love language. Learn the season. Discern the seasons because the love language changes. What speaks to him changes over time. And finally, number 20, be confident in your approach to fulfilling that need. Did I hit it, guys? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm listening because I'm trying to help the women out. I'm trying to help us out, okay? And for any woman who's listening to this broadcast and you have it in your mind that you want to be married, okay, if, if you're not willing to do all of this, okay, then you need to set your mind and your sights on serving in the house of the Lord for the rest of your life, okay? Yeah. You need to be doing that anyway, but serving in the house of the Lord becomes your priority, okay? Because when you're married, pleasing your husband becomes your priority, and it includes everything that we have on this list and some, okay? We've not even, we've not even touched the epicenter of what it takes to practically show and demonstrate the honor and respect that your husband deserves in marriage because he gives so much. Let's see. One of the things that Grandfather hit on earlier was praying and being a prayer warrior and praying 
with other people and praying for other people. How do you all view praying as as a means of intimacy with your spouse in marriage? Uh, I think that's definitely an area we all can probably work on. Uh, you know, uh, I can't speak for everyone. You know, we do pray together, but most times we pray together as a family, uh, not necessarily as a couple. So I think that's something in the area that I can definitely improve in. Amen. Anybody else, prayer and intimacy? To see that right there is getting ready to be my challenge to each of you is to engage in prayer with your wives so that you can increase in the area of intimacy with her because your wife needs to feel covered by you as her spiritual leader. Okay? Now, everybody else can run around here calling themselves pastor this, apostle that, bishop this, bishop that, intercessor here, intercessor there. But your first ministry is to be the spiritual leader of your wife, and she needs your hand laid on her in prayer. Amen. Amen. We're going to give you a woo on that too. Amen. <laughs> 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 All right, listen, we, we are all out of time, and I know that there's so much more that we could cover, but I'm going to release you all, and I just want, is there anything else that you want to share? Real quick, I'd just like to say, man, Denise, our prayer situation, we pray three times a day, every day over each other, uh, morning, evening, and night, and we've been doing this for the longest time, and I believe that's one of the main things, and we pray in season and out of season. You know? Amen. Amen. We're, we, we need to pray, Amen. you know, and we, we do that diligently. Amen. Amen. Praying together as couples takes you to a greater level of intimacy, I think, even more so than sex, because you are becoming completely vulnerable. I mean, it, it, it's another method and a means of getting naked before each other and sharing your heart in one another's presence, because both of you are naked before God with those prayers going up. And therefore, you expose the other to the purest, most earnest part of you. And it's something that if you're not doing it now on a regular basis, you need to begin to find it a commonplace activity in your home to shut the doors, turn the lights out, light a candle, okay? And put on some very soft instrumentals and pray with your wife and watch what it does for your marriage, okay? We're talking about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're talking about when the vow breaks on today, moving from a position of being reactive to being responsive. And you gentlemen have blessed us tremendously. I thank you all for your time. I thank you all for your wisdom. And I thank you for just sharing some of the practical things that we as women can do in our marriages to help strengthen and grow our marriages and our families. Again, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to Halftime with executive strategist Tony Emmahel.
Today's broadcast has been brought to you by Next Level Plus Project Management and Business Consultants. Learn more about how Next Level Plus can help you solve the right problems and seize the right opportunities by calling 704-780-2997 or visit their website at nextlevelplus.org.